It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. Well, hello, people. Hello again. <laughs> Shoot. I don't know what I'm to tell you, but praise the Lord. <laughs> because there's a lot of people out there that need praise. But the thing that I need to tell y'all today is church. And I know y'all might have missed it on Sunday. That's why I'm having it on Monday. And I have special unjoined
Now, see, that's that old school church. The new church still got to that old school with it. But we're going to talk today. And while we're talking, <laughs> let me introduce you to some of the serious speakers. And they are anointed, so don't get mad about what they're about to say. But it's a compromise, but it's a Yes, sir, we're here. We want to go into the Word. There's a lot of things we just want to deal with. We want to deal with the church, uh, body, siblings. We want to talk about that. And uh, it's going to be exciting. We've got some good stuff today. I'm excited about what God is doing. I promise you I am. And I got my buddy here, my main man, Minister Cat. Are you there, Minister Cat? Praise the Lord, my brother. Yes, I am. To God be the glory. It's a little, uh, little uh, wet outside, but this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and truly be glad in it. Brother Will, how you doing as well? Well, uh, you know, okay, most excellent. Just sounds confused. You know, bewildered is another word, too, but, you know. <laughs> Amen. So, folks, are you ready for the church radio today? OPR, and you know the protocol and how we do things. By the grace of God, we thank God for Brother Will. We want to open up his prayer that our word will be seasoned and anointing, that it will be for the edifying of the body of Christ. Let's join in and pray right now, and let's get this party started. 
in the Lord. People go to the club and they say they had a good time. Well, we have a good time too. We're going to go into this word and walk in this word. It's a, it's a good hot topic today. I think it's a topic that is becoming of all of us, and we need to understand where we are at in this hour. What did God have for us to do, and what is he calling us to do as a body collectively and as individually collectively? What is he calling you to do? Because we are a body, but God has a call for your life, your personal life. And as the book of Daniel said, knowledge has increased, and men will go to and fro. So with that being said, we're going to open up in prayer, and then we're going to go into our topic today of what God would have us to talk about. In case you don't know what the topic is all about, let's just back up and go over it again, and then we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And uh, we're dealing with Sound City Radio today. So we're going to be dealing with our, the host of this is Brother Will. And so today our topic is going to be is um, what can we do in this time, day and hour, with church? What can we do in this time, day and hour, with church? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for moving by your spirit and doing things all according to the counsel of your own will. You move in time and season. You are a God of time and season. Yet you are not restrained by time, but still God that moves in time. You come in right on time. And nothing can restrain you. Father, we thank you for your fresh anointing, your people of God, your house of the Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in our team, our time and in our season. God, we pray that you would build up every hearer, give them the courage, the boldness to call in so that they can add and say things or ask questions or add to whatever we're saying. Lord, we know we don't have all the answers, so we are excited about what you're doing and how you're speaking to your people. So, God, we pray that you will bring back to memory every scripture, bring in every wandering mind, bring back every revelation, every discernment, every insight. God, we pray that you beat back the forces of darkness, rebuke the adversary, break strongholds, break down generational curses, God. Give us the boldness of the lion, the courage of the eagle, and the labor ability of the ox to go into your word, to build up your people, to strengthen your people, that we also may be edified in this hour. In Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, make disciples for your kingdom, God. Sharpen us, sharp like iron. And God, we pray, Lord, also that you would bring in unsaved and move by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray into your glory. Amen. Amen, church. Today, we're going to go into something that's very interesting. First of all, I just want to piggyback the name of this radio show is called The Church. Church radio show. Great topic. I like it. It's catchy. The word church means the called out one. That's what the word church means, the called out one. Not so much of the building, but it's about the people. The church has always been about the people. Not about the fivefold ministry. No matter if you're a pastor, teacher, apostle, prophet, evangelist, it does not matter. The church is primarily about people, not about us. God did not want his church in this day and hour to be built like a pyramid. 
The day of the pyramid is gone. They did that in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, he said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now, does that mean God don't have an order? Absolutely not. God always have an order. When Jesus left, he turned the church over to the apostles. It was 11 of them. Judas fell by sin because he had a mind and a mind and an eye for money. We're going to deal with that, too, because we still got Judas's in the church. And most of the time when we talk about Judas, people like to put Judas in the alliance of a traitor. But I want to go a little bit deeper than that. What made Judas betray Jesus is the question we got to look at. Yeah, we know he's a traitor. He's a backstabber. But what was it that made this man do what he did to Christ? He's seen the miracles. He watched people raise up from the dead. He watched people get healed. He saw Jesus walked on the water. He saw Jesus raise up Lazarus after four days. Powerful statement. This man saw Jesus at times and heard Jesus said things that very few people said. He heard when Peter said to Jesus when Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I am? And some said Elijah, some said John the Baptist, some said one of the prophets of old, but Peter got an inside revelation, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Y'all heard the great scripture that Peter said. And Judas was sitting right there. He cast out devils with the 70 of them. He probably was one of the few that came back shouting like everybody else. He said, wow, even the devils, all of them were talking about it's subjected to us through your name, Lord. And the key word that Jesus hit them with was, bam. Jesus said, don't rejoice because the devils are subjected to you. But rather rejoice because your names are written in the last book of life. That's another topic for another day, y'all. Because people might think because they can cast out devils and heal the sick and do all the miracles, <clears throat> the gift and the calling, folks, is without repentance. Always remember that. You can be gifted, you can be talented, but that don't mean you're going to make it in heaven if you ain't doing what you're supposed to be doing according to God's standards. Remember, folks, it's not a work. Lest any man should boast. God is not a respectable person. He is a respectable a principle. The principles are the basic Christian elementary truth. That's what that word means. What is the basic Christian elementary truth? When you look at Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the Beatitudes. If we live by those Beatitudes and walk in those Beatitudes and we gave our heart to the Lord, those are the principles that God is respectable to, to answer our prayer, our petition, our cry. He hears everybody's cry and their prayer. But the Bible says God's ears is open to the cry of the righteous. He hears us like crazy. So let's back back up. What is it that made Judas what he was? He wanted the money. And today we're living in time. A lot of preachers just about making, getting a nice fat wallet and getting their pocket a lot more fatter. And the people of God are struggling. And the people of God are suffering. And the people of God are getting hit, punched in the mouth by the devil and his imp, while other people get fat wallets 
and everybody builds this pyramid. The body of Christ is supposed to be a five-fold ministry call. We live in a time when pastors are doing all the preaching and all the traveling. They the past, they the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, the prophets, they everything. And while the rest of the body is just sitting on the side doing nothing. Folks, let me tell you something. Even Michael Jordan knew that he needed help to win some championships. Come on now. He needed Scottie Pittman. He needed Hard Grant. He needed John Paxson. You can win no championship if you didn't have a team around you. Oh, he was a bad boy in scoring, but he will get quick exit every year when the playoff time comes. In order for the church to be the great champion that God has made it to be, it's got to go back to corporate anointing. There is no other way to get around it. As long as we have a pyramid mind thinking like we in the Old Testament and dealing with people like they were kings, let me tell you something. God did not make pastors to be kings. They're not a king. They are all a pastor. A king was a king in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, hello, he gave the pastor the call to build up the whole body of Christ, but he didn't stop with the pastor. He also gave the teacher. He also gave the apostle. He also gave the prophet. He also gave the evangelist to go out and win the Lord for the perfecting of the body. So today, we're going to deal with the church because a lot of times we think if we had a good time, we shouted, we squabbled, foamed out the mouth, rolled all over the carpet, that God has moved and he's with us. Folks, let me tell you something. The corporate anointing is coming. I don't care what people are doing. It's coming. And it's moving faster than ever before because the Bible said that Christ said he's coming back. We know that Christ is coming back for a church without a spot or a wrinkle. And everybody said, oh, Jesus is going to come back any day now. When you look at the state of a lot of our church, it is jacked up. God is not coming back for a junkyard. He's coming back for a church without a spot or a wrinkle or any such things. So today we're going to deal with the church, the called out ones, the called out ones. If you got your Bible, you're going to hit it from the top. Psalms chapter 27, verse 1. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. Psalm chapter 127, verse 1. Let's take it from there. We're going to try to read this out to you, everybody right here. It says, accept the Lord, capital L-O-R-D. Build the house. They labor in vain that build it. It's not about your gift, your ability, your style, how well you can do things. Accept the Lord. Keep the city. Watchman, wicked, but in vain. God called all of us to be a watchman, not just the, the teacher, the prophet, the evangelist, the apostle, the pastor. All of us are watchmen. We are watchmen, y'all. For the house of God and in the house of God, are you on your post? And a lot of times, we're going to go into a lot more other things, but we're more loyal to works in the church than being loyal to God. Come on now. When you look at being more loyal to works, you can get caught up because you can be so faithful every Sunday the doors of church open, you can be in church. Not only that, you can be in church every day, and your worship is there. Your 
on time, you work hard, you do what you got to do. But let me share this with you. You go read the book of Revelation. Jesus told seven churches, which two was right and the other five was out of whack. I know your works. I know your works. I know your works. Sometimes people stick their big chests out because they work hard in the church and how faithful they are. It's not about you. It's not about you being faithful. Thank God you're faithful. After you've done all that you've done in the church, you're still not even worthy enough. We're still not, y'all. It's by grace. It's why we're where we're at right now in God's kingdom. Only grace. Because we all know that if it wasn't for grace, we were still doing our thing in the world. And so we dealt with that part, except the Lord build the city. Let's talk about that, the church. Uh, let's talk about that real quick, and I want to drop some other things on you. And let's just want to ask my buddy, Kev. Kev, what do you think about that verse, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman watches, but in vain. And then we're going to go into some other scriptures. But my buddy, Kev, I want to just hear what you got to say and elaborate. Remember, folks, if there's any other people out there who want to like to add to it or say something or make some comments, just push star eight. You're already in there. You can hear us. Just go back to your phone and just hit star eight and say, Brother Calvin, I agree. Brother Calvin, I disagree. It's cool. We're free to do what we got to do on the radio station. I want to hear what you got to say. But right now, I want to hear my man, Kev. Share with me, Kev. Let me hear your point. Yeah, praise the Lord, brother. How you hear me? Yes, sir. I hear you loud and clear, brother. Yes, yeah, that's scripture. Except Lord, uh, the uh, they that labor labor in vain. Uh, I'm reminded uh, when Paul wanted to go. I believe he wanted to go to Asia Minor on on one of his journeys, and the Holy Spirit told him not to go that way, uh, because the Holy Spirit, everything is done in God's time. Uh, sometimes we can get so much of ourselves uh, where the Lord has been doing the work, but we can get to the point where we take our eyes off of what God has done and put our eyes on what we have done. And even though we may have good intentions, it may not be the will of God at that time, at that season. And so when I see that particular verse there, we have to realize we have to acknowledge the Lord in all our ways, and he shall direct our path, not on our own. Wow, amen. That's so right. Is there anyone else out there that would like to add to what uh, Brother Kevin just said right now when he was just breaking on me? Uh, it's open to you. We want to hear what you got to say because we're going somewhere. I got some more verses I want to share with you. It's going to be exciting because God is so awesome, man. It's a lot of things he want to do. So is there anyone else there? We want to just open the floor up for you and uh, just want to hear what you have to say about that. All right. If you can get a chance, you want to elaborate on it, you can come on in. People, sorry, I'm sorry, people. That means you have to push star eight if you'd like to speak. And if you're joining in by VIA um, Internet, dial that number, 724-444-7444. Put the PIN number in, 143906 pound and one pound. And again, star eight to talk. Proceed on. All right. 
So we understand that it takes God to build a house. There are a lot of houses being built, and we're not talking about homes that people live in as a family. We're talking about the church, the called-out ones. That's who the church is. They are the called-out ones. When we look at the church of new, we see in the book of Acts that God was moving by his spirit. He was moving, folks. People were getting saved. The number of disciples was increasing. They had all things common among each other. The people was on one accord, and God was moving. He was moving so much to the point that when it was a complaint in the book of Acts chapter 6 about Peter, I'm sorry, not Peter, they came to the apostles because the elderly people were being neglected, and they said, we want you to appoint people over us to take care of the elders. The response of the apostles was so powerful. Man, every time I read that, I said, now that's the body of Christ right there, where it's not a pyramid. It was a corporate, y'all. It was, and Jesus was drilling this thing into the body of Christ because he wanted the disciples to be a corporate, a family, but yet he left the apostles in charge. But I like how humble they was, even though they was in charge. They were not insecure. They was not afraid of nobody. They said what God told them to say, and they was anointed men of God. And so when they moved, they understood that one day they was going to die, and the church had to continue to live. In fact, if it, was, if it was any mistake that the church made in that hour, it was that everybody stayed in Jerusalem too long. And God allowed persecution to come to scatter them abroad all throughout the earth. So if you got your Bible, let's look at Acts chapter 6. And we're going to look at um, verse 7. And uh, now let's go further back up. Let's look at um, verse 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Greeks against the Hebrews because their widows, widowers were neglected in daily ministration. Nobody was helping the, the mothers who lost their husband. They were being neglected. So there was some complaining going on. There was a mumbling thing going on, rumors, if you will. And the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them. Now, here is the twelve. It's a twelve. You know that they appointed another man in the position of Judas when he had fell from out of grace, and he hung himself, and he died. So now it's twelve of them again. Now, we know that Paul will be officially the twelfth apostle, but at that stage, at that stage rather, this twelve disciples came forth, and the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we leave the word of God and serve tables. Listen to these men of God. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men. Listen to what they say. They didn't say men that we can trust or who we feel comfortable with. They putting the obligation into the hand of the people, y'all, listen, I'm telling you, pay close attention to what's happening here. Now, the apostles wasn't fools. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were not afraid of other men's success. You hear what I'm saying? Other men's success is not your failure. You got what I'm saying? Other men's success is not your law because God is 
using other people and he's anointing them, you don't get insecure and say shut them down because they might be greater than, hello, listen, this ain't about us. It's about the body of Christ. Let me read on because there's something I'm going to tell you what Moses said when somebody tried to pull that stone on him about somebody else being used. Now, listen. Then the twelve called the multitude disciples said unto them, It is not reason that we should leave the word and serve table. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you. You guys do the choosing. Seven men. Seven, the number of completion and perfection. Of an honest report. Not people gossiping on people. Not people who don't like people. I don't like them, so I don't want to support them. So I'm not going to push them. I'll fight against them. Men, seven men, honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, filled with the Holy Ghost, and they have wisdom. Some people get because you got Holy Ghost don't mean you got wisdom. Amen. You see a lot of men, they fill of the Holy Ghost, but they go grab any old thing and marry it. You see a lot of young ladies, they fill of the Holy Ghost, but they'll go grab a jack leg and marry it. You'd be like, what, what in the world is this? Wisdom with the Holy Ghost, folks. We got to have wisdom. The Bible said, the word of God said, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Whom we may appoint over this business. Somebody say, it's the business of the church and the church business. They say, put them over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They say, we're not going to stop doing what we're going to do. What is the apostles doing? Let's read it again. We will continue, give ourselves continually to praying and to ministry of the word. I look around and see like the pastors are doing everything these days and time. They, they, I mean, they, they, you name it, jack of all tools. And it makes me wonder, do they really have time for you, God? Are we really getting a rhema word from you, Lord? Or is he so busy counting his dollars and cents and houses and his cars and his Bentleys that he forgot about the purpose of what it's all about? The Bible says Jesus would do ministry during the day, and he would pray all night long. The master was teaching the disciples how to follow him. Follow him. He didn't tell them, go out and continue to buy all the land you can get. No, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He was giving them the keys to the kingdom, how to be soul winners, to build his house. That's where Jesus' priority was at. You know, there's a lot of things that people are telling folks to do. That has nothing to do with God's kingdom. But it sounds good, and people are doing it. Has the church lost its power? The church is dunamis. Dunamis means power. The Bible said that God is a stronghold unto the believers. So listen to what it says. And I'm going to drop down and give you the name. Verse 6. Whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Here go to ordination. They prayed and they laid their hands on these seven men. 
When you lay hands on somebody, there's an impartation taking place. And the word, listen to this, y'all, what happened. These apostles knew God. They heard from God. And the word of God increased it. And the numbers of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Don't take that word for granted, greatly. And a great company of priests was obedient to the faith. Do you see that, folks? When folks is in their right place, what God would do. And Stephen, his name means Stephen. Stephen means crown, y'all. Full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. I want you to hear Peter say, you know, if that boy Stephen keep doing those miracles like that, he's going to be greater than the rest of uh, you, Peter. He's going to be greater than John. He's going to be greater than James. Get Stephen down. He's getting too big around us. Put him back in his place. Folks, let me tell you something. Let's wake up now. Let's read that verse again. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Listen, y'all, God was moving. He would use anybody at any time. God don't owe nobody no explanation. But he has a structure that he put into place. And in that infrastructure, he wants the order to fall and roll from the top down to the bottom. The Bible talks about how pleasant and good it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like the ointment, the oil that went down from Aaron's head down his beard, all the way down through his skirt, the top on down. As we move forward into corporate anointing, and as the leaders begin to lay hands and appoint men over certain manner, that's the corporate anointing taking its rightful place. And it fills the body of Christ. At that time, right there, we're going to hold it right there again. We're going to open it up. If anybody want to add to it or say anything that they might say, Kev, let's come through you first, doctor. Anything you would like to say? Are you still there, Kev? I know he's still there, folks. We're just going to wait on him. But at this stage, God was He'll be right back, though. Keep close. Okay. God was still moving in a direction that he wanted to have his way. Is there anybody who would like to put star eight and add to whatever we just said? Anybody else out there who would like to add to it? Feel free. Just want to let you know that you're, you're included, not excluded. Are there anyone else? All right. We're going to keep moving. So we realized that God had moved the church into a place that he's building his house throughout the world with a corporate anointing. All right, let's go to Psalm chapter 122, verse 1. Now, Psalms teaches us a lot about God and his church. My God, it's beautiful what David was saying. Now, listen to the church. The church is a firebomb. It is the place where we get on fire for God. It is the place where we feel the presence of God. It is a place where we get disciples. Also, we call it Bethel. Bethel means house of God. So let's look at verse 20, chapter 122 of Psalms and verse 1. And David said this, 
I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. David was a bad boy. He said he was glad when they said unto him, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now, many of you remember David. He wanted to build God a house where God's presence can reside at, where people could come in and feel the presence of God, y'all. Folks, listen to me. This anointed man of God, the Lord said he was a man after my own heart. David was in his rightful place, but he wasn't satisfied until God was in his rightful place. Folks, let me tell you something. It's a beautiful thing when God allows you, listen, to come into his presence and you can feel the presence of God. When you feel that God's spirit is strong, man, let me tell you something. That is an awesome thing. If you've ever been in a place, a surrounding, when you can feel the presence of God, you would never forget it. Anybody that has ever encountered that presence, you're never the same. You will run all your life to continue to feel that presence and have it around you. David wanted a place where the ark of God could be at, where God's presence can be at. And as this thing began to take place, listen, God honored what David was saying. However, David could not build God's house because he had blood on his hands. He had killed a lot of people, y'all. And at that time, God could not allow David to build him a house. He had to. He had to. Do you hear what I'm saying? Oh, my God. So I want to bring your attention to something. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of 1 Kings. I want to show you something in God's word that would happen when God's presence really come among his people and sit on them. Uh-huh. Now, if that's Calvin, I think he's back. He got to put star eight. Okay, Chad. If Cab is coming in, we're going to wait and see if that's Cab. If that's you, Cab, we want you to come on in. We were talking about the uh, Acts chapter 6, what does that mean to you, my brother? If that's you or if that's anybody else, they want to piggyback on that, they want to say something, feel free. Put star 8 and come on in. We're waiting on you. Okay, and now let's go to the book of First Kings chapter 8, if you have your Bible. First Kings chapter 8. Now, you didn't push it yet. Now, Cal. Um, this is what you might want to do. If you're having problems with your phone, just hang up and then redial. Give it a second and then push star eight. Or just push star eight multiple times so then they'll finally click in. Sometimes when you rush things, it um, doesn't compute. But go ahead, proceed on. Okay. So we have First King chapter eight. And I want to, I want to bring everybody's attention um, to the court when Solomon got finished building the temple, okay? Okay, we have a call. I think that's him. Yeah. Your pass on church. Who are we speaking to? Yeah, y'all, y'all hear me? Yo, we hear yeah. you now. Here we go. Oh, yeah. I just wanted just to elaborate. I was disconnected when you had, right when you called me, I actually accidentally disconnected myself. 
Uh, but the last scripture you was reading in Acts uh, 6 and 8, and it said, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. And I think just one of the, the, key, uh, the key word in that particular text was full of faith. Uh, Stephen was a humble uh, man of God, full of faith, not full of himself. Uh, and that's what I think right now, as far as you have mentioned, having a different agenda from what God wants to evangelists or whatever. Once you begin to take your eyes off of the agenda of God and be prostitute your gifts, uh, when you have a different agenda, uh, whether you want to make a name for yourself or you got dollars and cents and, and materialism filling your heart and not Holy Spirit, uh, and that causes a lot of things uh, within the, the church. And unfortunately, many people uh, want to use that to justify their nonsense. Someone with a title before and after their names uh, justify their unfaithfulness of their non-belief or them not walking with God because they want to point out something uh, that's in a man, a woman of God, particularly with a title, who mind and who agenda is not on the Lord. And so that's one particular thing we see in Stephen uh, and, and many people even because of that, uh, because he didn't care about the audience. He didn't care about getting the cheers or making a name for himself amongst the world, but he stayed on track. He kept his mind and his heart on God's agenda. So I just wanted to point that out, that he was full of faith, not partially full of faith and partially full of his own agenda, but he was full of faith. Amen. That's good stuff, Kev. I like that, man. Because when you're dealing with souls, whatever gift that a man sees, he receives it from above, the Bible tells Amen. us. God gives us gifts and ability, but he wants us to use the wisdom that he gave us with that gift. And at time, all of you out there, beloved, you can be very gifted in whatever capacity. You might can sing. You might have an awesome voice to sing. And sometimes people may not want to use you because you can sing. And sometimes, for whatever reason, a lot of problems that we have in all churches, all churches have this problem. It, most of the problems come from individuals who are insecure. I've never seen so many insecure individuals that I've seen in this day and hour. And it is stagnating the church because for some reason we think that we're building a name, like Kevin said, for oneself or about us. But we got to remember something, beloved. We are connected to other people, whether we know it or not. There are people who might admire the way Kevin says that word. And then he got people that's connected to other people he's connected to. Listen, your life is a legacy to others. The Bible said we live our life as a tale that is untold. And Psalms said, teach us, verse chapter 90, verse 12, said, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Folks, as we stop thinking about ourselves and begin to utilize everybody else, the way it's supposed you cannot you can't utilize everybody because some people gotta grow into that place and some people may not be ready yet for where they gotta go at. And that's true. But there are times when you know folks, you can move them to that place. They might be a little rugged around the edge, but they're ready to be 
put into a place where they can be utilized. And when I say utilized, please understand me. I'm not talking about a pool pit because a lot of times what people are worried about is the pool pit or being in front of a bunch of people. Folks, let me tell you something. Social media is so big right now. Forget about the pool pit. What God wants people to do is deal with the people where they're at. Your neighborhood, your next-door neighbors, your community. There are things you can do in the church as a good helper serving in the church. Don't be focusing on a pool pit. Now, there are times because people can see that you have a calling on your life to the pool pit. When God is using you, you're not even running to the pool pit. God is opening doors already, but they're thinking you want their pool pit and they will shut down doors on you for whatever reason. And the whole body of Christ suffers. Listen, anytime anybody in our church or wherever they may be at is not being utilized in the proper manner, the church is affected by that. Everybody's affected by that. And Sister Yo-Yo get up and she sing and anointed fall on her when she sing. Good Lord. And People would look forward to hearing her on Sunday singing. And somebody said, no, I don't want you to sing. I want Sister Dryness to sing. She ain't had an anointing in 15 years, but she's singing because I got a relationship with her. So we got to build, listen, y'all, when we move people to the forefront, when you know someone is anointed, bring them on your team. Utilize them. We don't want good people leaving the church, because the devil starts talking to people. You know, they don't never want to use you. They're always calling anybody else. Why they never use you? They don't never got no time for you. He'll talk to you. And he'll tell you there are better options somewhere. No, stay right where you're at. Don't you leave for where God got you at. If God has blessed you and the anointing is there, you stay right there. Everything has a timing for God. And you just need to be patient and wait on the Lord. But in the meantime, you serve your church. You do whatever you can do to help hold up the hands of the leaders of the church. And you get involved. You do what you got to do. Sometimes it may seem like there's a fight and a restraint. It's a lot of things that happen because i I never seen so many people who are underneath the spirit of witchcraft. It's strange. When you see the spirit of witchcraft on people, it's like they don't have a mind for themselves. We all come to church to worship God, but we got to remember we are God's people, y'all. Witchcraft be like you're not allowed to do nothing or say anything unless you tell me everything before you do it. Something is wrong. Now, it should come to a place that I should know you long enough to say, hey, listen, I trust you to take care of this. I won't worry about it, and if you have any problem, then you come to me. And then we together will resolve it, but I trust you. But if every time I got to get up and go to the bathroom and everything I do, I got to come through you as the leader of that ministry, that particular ministry that you might be appointed over. Now, you're not a pastor, but you're over that ministry, and you get the ideal that you acting like you're the pastor, but you're controlling the people. That's called witchcraft Anytime you got that kind of control. You give the people the task which you chose for them to do, and y'all work together. 
the corporate anointing cannot come when people are saying, I don't trust this person. They don't trust them. Listen, y'all, I trust the Holy Ghost. Now, because I trust the Holy Ghost, that don't mean that I'm pitting Joe Knucklehead in position. No, I trust the Holy Ghost to lead and guide me just like he did with the apostles and told them what to do, and the people was led in God and brought people up that they knew was anointed. Because the body of Christ has to have the corporate anointing. It's got to be a corporate. It cannot be a pyramid. The pyramid scares me so much because the pyramid is when the person that's over it dies, then what do we do? We start right back over all over again. And when you look at a pyramid calling, you look at the White House right now. We got a man in there that he does things like he's a king. He say what he want to say, do what he want to do, insult people, lie to people, manipulate people. And the people in the country is hurting. And this man won't even be honest with them. That's what happened when you got a pyramid. If the devil gets the head, the whole church is in trouble. The corporate anointing makes everybody accountable to one another. The corporate anointing is I'm letting everybody know this is what we're doing, and it's a responsibility that you have towards the people and the people have towards you as the leader. David just didn't rule Jerusalem like a rod of iron. Notice if when he went to bring back the Ark of the Covenant, he's the king now. He ain't got to ask nobody nothing. He went to the people of Israel and said, if it seemed good to you, let us bring back the Ark of the Covenant. David had good intentions but he messed that thing up. And they said, yeah, let's bring it back. And he went and said, go get that ox and that cart and bring it back on the ox. When he should have went to the priest and talked to the priest and let the priest tell him how to bring it back. And when David brought that ox in the wrong way, Uzzah died. And David became afraid of the Lord. He sent that thing to Obed-Edom house. Get rid of that ark. And then he went to the priest, and the priest told him, nobody's supposed to touch that ark but the priest, the Levi. They're supposed to carry it on their shoulders, and that's the way the ark's supposed to move. A corporate, the priest, the sons of Levi, supposed to carry it. You see, in the household of faith, Everybody got a title in the position that God has gave. It's not about David. <laughs> David was a bad boy. He was anointed. He was a giant killer. He was a Philistine slayer. He was a psalmist. Man, David was a bad boy, and he was a prophet. But let me tell you something. When he came to moving that ark, David was out of his position. Even when we think about the king, Uzziah. I remember Uzziah. You look at the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. He said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Well, let's talk about King Uzziah. He built great chariots. He was a great builder, great army, archers who could shoot the bow and arrow and everything. I mean, he was a bad boy. His army was bigger and better than King David. But one day he decided he was going to go into that temple and burn the incense. When he went in there, the priest said to him, oh, king, you're not supposed to be in here burning no incense. <laughs> you know, that's what called Saul the kingdom, right? He made a sacrifice and burned an incense, and, and Sam came and said, what are you doing? I'm not supposed to be doing this. 
Your kingdom would have been established forever, but now it's not. So Uzziah was burning those incense, and the priest stepped to him. They said, you're not supposed to be any old king. He would listen to them. And then the mighty men of Bala came in and said, king, this is the king, y'all, who got the power to kill you and your whole family. The mighty men said, king, you out of order. You're not supposed to be in here burning incense. And he got upset with them. And as he got upset, remember, rebellion is at the spirit of witchcraft. He's trying to burn incense, but there's a rebellion about him as the king. As he got upset with them, leprosy hit the top of his head, and when he realized he was leprosy, he ran out of the temple, but it was too late. The king lived in the cave with lepers to the day he died because he tried to do things that was out of order when what he should have did was keep a corporate anointing among the people. And by him doing it wrong, he got leprosy on him. Listen, y'all. Now, nobody's getting leprosy this day and hour. God not putting leprosy on his people. But the Bible said what's everything was written was written for our learning. What we have to realize is this. Here is my point. Everybody got a part to play in the church. I shouldn't turn on my TV and the only thing I see is pastor this, pastor that, pastor this. Where is the corporate anointing? My God. Where is the teacher at? Where is the evangelist at? Talk to me. I need to know from the prophets, the teachers, the evangelists, the apostles, all of them, the pastors. I want everybody, everybody. We got pastors that's not even at their churches no more. They traveling so much. They all over the world, y'all, like evangelists. When God called you to pastor, pastor the flock. Stay home. Build them up. If he called you to teach, teach the flock. If he called you the evangelist, you go and you travel. The evangelists go out and they travel and win the loss. They hit the ground running. So what is your calling? If you are pastor, I love the way my pastor do it. He don't try to do all that, that traveling. Pastor Spartan ain't doing all that traveling. He's like, look, send so-and-so. He ain't trying to do all that traveling. You crazy. Pastor Spartan ain't trying to do that. Pastor Smith wouldn't do it neither. He was before Pastor Spartan. He was sending the young minister, sent him out. They said, God called him. He sent him out. He wasn't trying to be in everybody's pulpit. And when you are called to be a pastor, you got to know, raise up young warriors and ministers underneath you and utilize them and send them out to do the work of the Lord. Don't you try to go out there and do everything. You will burn yourself out. So what happens in that case, I just wanted to share that with y'all uh, and piggyback on what Kev was saying. But, um, Kev, if you, if you can, I don't know if you got your Bible in front of you. Do you have your Bible in front of you, Kev? Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, we have First Kings chapter. You get done. I'm sorry. Say that again. I had a question after you get done. Oh, okay. Um. Uh, um, Kev, read from verse First uh, Kings chapter eight, verse one down to ten to eleven. Read that, Kev. I just want to share something about that real quick to the people. When God's presence is in the building, and He's moving. Okay, by. this is uh, okay. First King uh, chapter eight, one through ten. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chiefs of the fathers of the children of Israel unto King Solomon in Jerusalem, 
that they might bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. And all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto King Solomon at the feast in the month uh, Evanim, which is the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the ark. And they brought up the ark of the Lord and the tabernacle of the uh, congregation and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle, even those did the priests and the Levites bring up. And King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be told nor numbered for multitudes. And the priests brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord unto his place, into the oracle of the house, to the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubims. For the cherubims spread forth their two wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubims covered the ark and the staves thereof above. And they drew out the staves, that the ends of the staves were seen out in the holy place before the oracle. And they were, and there they are unto this day. Now, read the last verse, verse 11, Chad. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, do you want me to skip 9 and 10? Just go right to 11? No, no, no. Just go all the way down to verse 11. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, verse 9. In the ark, save the two tables of stone, which Moses put there at Horeb, when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel, when they came out of the land of Egypt. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, verse 11, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Now, do y'all see how the glory of the Lord came in? The priests couldn't even do ministering. This is Old Testament, folks, not New Testament. God's presence was in that house so awesome, so strong. Let me tell you something. There's a place that God want to take us at corporately, that he come and sit among his people. He loved to be among people. Listen, y'all. It's not the pyramid anointing that God is looking for in this new day and hour. It is that anointing that Peter spoke in the book of Acts when the day of Pentecost was fully come. He said, this is that was prophesied by the prophet Joel, and the last day I am going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh, not some flesh, but the people of God. When you're hearing good preaching and good teaching, you got to make sure that you press in into the presence of God on your individual time. So when we all come together, there is a corporate anointing that rests among all of us. Insomuch that it's easier for the pastor to preach. He ain't got to work hard. 
he can preach easy because it's such a strong anointing that's corporate. That is corporate. I've seen it. I'm used to being around it. It's awesome. All the stuff that people put in their spirit with who they don't trust, who they don't like, get over your pettiness, man. You're a baby. Grow up. Get some pampers on you. You're pooping on yourself. These end-time days, God is calling us not to worry about who we don't like. Let me tell you something. The Bible said love covers a multitude of sin. A lot of people say they love people, but they can't forgive not even a fly. Listen, love covers a multitude of faults. It'll cover sin, too. The Bible talks about the fruits of the Spirit. You can't get to heaven if you don't love me. You ain't getting in there. Because in heaven, everybody loves each other. Man, let me tell you something. Folks, unforgiveness is sin. And people try to shun it. You can't. You, you got to love. You got to love. And, and I love it when Peter had messed up with Jesus, folks. Listen, y'all. Judas did his thing, then Peter did his thing. Judas turned Jesus in for money. So when people say he's a Judas, well, I got to look at what motivated Judas was money. If you're a person that's always about money, 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 you can more likely be a Judas. You can wind up being a Judas because that was the, the iniquity that drove Judas. Iniquity is what's inside of me. Transgression is what you see on the outside of me. His iniquity was this man loved it money. In spite of the resurrection of Lazarus, the healing, the miracles, walking on water, Peter saying, thou art the Christ, son, all of that didn't matter to Judas. Judas was about to get paid, and he was going to cash in on Jesus. Listen, folks, he gave him the kiss of death in the Garden of Gethsemane, oil press. That's what Gethsemane means, the kiss of death he gave Jesus, and he was a traitor. Jesus knew who he was, though. He said, have not I chosen 12 of you and one of you are a devil? But you know what I love about Jesus? He never treated Judas no different. Nobody knew what Judas was going to do until the last second. Jesus told John, a 17-year-old kid, he didn't tell the rest of those men. He didn't tell them nothing. He waited for Judas to do what he had to do. And he said to Judas, what you do is do it quickly because he had to get to the cross. And when he came in and kissed him with the kiss of death, he said, Judas, you, you betrayed the son of man with a kiss? He knew what it was. Judas said, the one that I kissed, that's Jesus. Jesus was so mild-mannered, the Bible said, who made himself of no reputation. When you walked into the apostles, you didn't know who was Jesus from, who was Peter. Because he looked at just like everybody else. He blended in so well. Jesus wasn't sitting there with a big medallion on with a cross hanging from his neck and everything else and oil dripping from his head that they don't pour the oil all over him looking important. And you knew, well, that got to be Jesus right there. Look at the oil dripping. That got to be him. No, he looked it like everybody else. Camouflage. Blend in very well. But when he opened his mouth, you knew this was God you was talking with. This ain't no ordinary man. So let us be like-minded how Christ was. And to Jesus, it was important that the disciples get their corporate anointing. He needed them to understand that. So when Judas turned in Jesus, Jesus still loved the Judas. When Peter denied that he knew him, Jesus still loved the Peter. 
He didn't say, go tell my disciples and please don't tell Peter about it. Tell them to meet me in the upper room. No, 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 no. He said, tell my disciples and Peter to meet me in the upper room. He didn't shun him. Can we do that when somebody backstab you so hard, they stab you so hard in the back that the blade comes through the front of your chest? Can you still invite them when something great is about to happen? Or do you abort them? All the other texts they get from you for that particular text, text they don't get that text because you don't want them to come. <laughs> I mean, let's go down to the root of things. What is holding back the church? Is it unforgiveness? Is it bitterness? Is it self-righteousness? Self-righteousness is a whole different other category. God, help us. Is it the ideal that we're all about money now? Do the world, how did the world view the body of Christ? Is it still that place that's called Bethel, house of God? Is God's presence still coming in the midst of his people with sinners for coming in who's on crack and staggering there and they can feel the liberty of the spirit of God? Can prostitutes come in here without the mother looking at her and say, look at her coming in here with that high skirt song? She's hurting. She done went through quite a few men. Now she want to try the man, Christ Jesus. Can she come in and meet the man, Christ Jesus? Do we look at the guy and say, well, that's the guy that's always out there asking for money all the time. I ain't helping him. And let him starve? What have we become? If your eye be evil or darkness, how great is that darkness? When we examine ourselves, the world will feel comfortable coming to us. But if we don't examine ourselves, we're going to be condemned with the world, folks. It's house cleansing, in cleansing that we need to do. Real good cleansing. Because God wants to get us together because remember, he's coming back for a church. Spot or rank or any such thing. Ken, anything you would like to add to that about that uh, scripture you just read, brother? Yes, what I, what I want to ask you a question, and uh, maybe you can elaborate on it, give a little more clarity on it. Uh, when you talked about Judas, uh, that the center of his heart was his own selfish will uh, to get the money. But yet, when he achieved his goal and he got the 30 pieces of silver, if that was his goal, then why was he convicted to the point of giving the 30 pieces of silver back? Now, what we have, what God gave every man is a conscience, y'all. He gives us a conscience. Your conscience is like your spiritual man. That said, you should not have done that. When you, any of you out there, when you were sinning, have you ever done something and you felt bad that you've done it? It wasn't the conviction of the Holy Ghost. You just, you knew it was wrong. And Judas said, here, I'll betray an innocent man. Listen, most people get into trouble because they don't think things through. When you begin to judge yourself, this is what the Bible tells us to do. It said, if we will judge ourselves, we will not be condemned with the world. Most people don't judge themselves. Let me give you a verse. Now, we know in the Old Testament, men were not filled with the Holy Ghost. But listen to what the angel said to Daniel. For the first 
day that you set your heart, damn, your heart, your spirit, which is your spirit, to understand the vision that you saw, I was on my way to give it to you. Not the 21st day, because he was held up for 21 days, but the first day, day one, when the scriptures say a broken spirit and a contrite heart, God will not despise. Judas made penance. Peter repented. Penance is, I'm sorry I got caught. I should not have done this thing. And, Kev, you being an officer of the land, I know it's a lot of boys that said to themselves, man, I should have went down the other street. That cop wouldn't have caught me. <laughs> or my plan should have been better than this. Maybe I should have let Pookie did that, and I stood outside and be the watchman. But they got me. There's something about when people get caught, they come to themselves. There's a lot of people that's in the jail. They came to themselves, but it's too late now. Y'all remember the prodigal son? He had an agenda. Now, he wasn't full of the Holy Ghost or nothing like that, but the young man realized when he was about to eat the husk that the pig got in the slop, all the slop bucket stuff, he came to himself. My God, he said, wait a minute here. I'm a Jewish man working among pigs, and Jews don't deal with pigs, y'all. They unclean. They don't sweat. They eat any and everything. They eat a bar of soap. You name it, they eat it. And everything that stays inside their pores, what they consume, we sweat because it comes back out of our pores. If any of you out there ever been an alcoholic or drank beer in the past, I hope it's in the past. Lord knows I hope it's in the past and not now. But if you was a drinker, that stuff come back up out of your pores. It comes out of your pores. I grew up in a house with my father drunk liquor all the time. He drunk liquor like it was water. But he always kept a job and he always provided for his family, but he loved his liquor. And that thing would come out his pores and you could smell it on his breath. But the liquor was real. It was coming up out of him. Listen, the pig don't sweat. So whatever they eat, it stays in them. He was about, he's dealing with pigs, and he's about to eat what the pigs was eating. And that's when he came to himself. Judas came to himself too, but it was too late. Maybe he thought about the miracles. Maybe he had a flash in his mind about Lazarus being called back for. Maybe he remembered when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Maybe he remembered when he said, daughter, go home, your daughter is pure and she's healed. Maybe he remembered when Jesus told the centurion, your servant is healed, go ahead on back home. Maybe he remembered when Jesus grabbed the little girl by the hand and he said it in another language, he said, I said unto you, daughter, arise. Remember he, maybe, you know, he remembered when Jesus walked on the water and said, be not afraid, it is mine, it is I. And he said, what in the world have I just done? This is the Messiah. He's an innocent man. But by then, guilt has set in. And listen, folks, you forgive other people, but you better learn how to forgive yourself too. That's another thing. There are people, you'd be surprised. They can forgive other people, but they can't forgive themselves for what they've done in the past. You will be surprised. A lot of people have a suicide spirit. A suicide spirit will make you commit suicide because you can't, you feel as though you're unworthy or something you've done in the past, you just can't let it go and you can't forgive yourself. I don't know if I answered your question, Ted. Anything else? Yeah, I just also want to interject a particular verse dealing with that. It's very important because 
uh, we're talking about what must the church do. Uh, many times the church becomes stagnant, stagnated because uh, we don't know how to get back up. Uh, we run into an incident and we find ourselves in that place of darkness, and at that point we don't want to come into the light. What we have to remember is that God is truly a forgiving God. And I just want to go to a scripture because it's actually two types of, uh, I think you used the word penance, and then uh, Peter repented. Well, there is a godly sorrow, and then there is a worldly sorrow. And the word uh, pretty much clarifies that. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. It says, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. We have to realize that we serve a God of grace and of mercy. And he said, if your own heart condemns you, he's greater than your heart. And we saw with, uh, with Judas, maybe it could have been, I believe Judas was a zealot. Maybe he thought that he saw Jesus work all those miracles. And he had, once again, he didn't have the, the will of God. He had his own will. Maybe he also could have, with all the things that you had mentioned, maybe he thought maybe Jesus was taken captive, that Jesus would, uh, would be use his power to overcome the Roman soldiers. Uh, that was the problem that a lot of the people in the Jewish nation had. Jesus came for a greater purpose. They thought, since he's going to be the son of David, that he's going to come and deliver them from the Roman uh, uh, authority, but Jesus came for a greater purpose to deliver them from the power of Satan and sin. And that's what happens when we have our own agenda. When we wait on the Lord, we have an expectation that God is going to work it a certain way. God's priority is with the inner man, not the outer man and the materialism of man. He may use that to effectuate a change to the inside, but we as believers have to understand and believe and receive the power of true repentance. God said not only will he forgive you, but he'll remember your sins no more. Some people get back up when they get involved in something. We saw the difference between Peter repenting and then uh, Peter with his penance. I'm, I'm sorry, Judas, uh, he just thought there was no comeback from what he did, but yet the Lord still would have received him if he would have uh, repented and turned. Because true repentance is not only saying I'm sorry, but it's turning away from your will and to God, back to God. <laughs> I like that, Kev. I love that. Amen. I um I, I thought about, you know, again when people repent and they make penance. And uh, uh God wants everybody to come to a place. He's forever merciful, y'all. Always remember, you couldn't do anything to make God not forgive you. There's only one sin that God said it won't be forgiven in this world and the world to come is blaspheming against the Holy Ghost. Most time when men transgress, we sin against one another. You know what I'm saying? Or we sin, in most cases, we sin against God. Just to be born, you're already in sin. Your birth was a sin birth. The Bible says we're born in sin and Satan iniquity. 
all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And this is why as we live as people, we don't put nobody on the pedestal next to Christ. He's the only one that is sinless. He never got married. He doesn't have children. He is God all by himself. He came to die for the sins of the world. Nothing more, nothing less. He told the Romans, and uh, not the Romans, the disciples, the Jews, rather, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. And he said, if my kingdom was of this world, then my angels will come and fight for me. He had the will to say no, but he didn't do that. He came for one purpose, to die on the cross. And the Bible says, in fact, he condemned it sin in the flesh. Most of us sin, our flesh condemn us to sin. <laughs> you know, but, but Christ, that was not the story. Uh, he was different. He knew what he was here for. He was focused. The Bible said he set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem. And he said, my, my purpose is to, to win the loss. And when you look at the disciples, they was, everybody, they thought Christ was coming back. They was all selling their homes, bringing the money, and leaving at the apostles' feet. Now, here it is, folks. Now we got preachers want you to come and bring money later at their feet. I promise you it's not going for you when they get that money at their feet. Bobby Joe's still going to be struggling with his bill, and Mary Lou still need to buy food for her and her kids. That man taking that money back home to his and his. So you got to understand people are using methods for their own agenda. Agenda. God's agenda was when they brought that money to the apostles' feet, they helped everybody to make sure there was no lack among them. They did it the right way. The Bible said that every man that strives for mastery is not crowned except he strives lawfully. So there's a lawful way to do things, and God honors that. David was a king that was concerned about the people. He loved the people, and he loved the God. He never excommunicated himself from the people. He always stayed among the people. And he realized he made mistakes. He was a man that made mistakes. He had flaws, but he loved the God. He now to go back to God. And he will um, transparently let you see where he was at. David didn't have a problem with that. When Nathan rebuked him, he said, you are the man. He, David said, I've sinned against the Lord. David didn't say, do you know who I am? And what if David took this route? Do you know who I am? You know who head I cut off? Goliath. Do you know I killed the bear? Look at these hands. You know I killed the lion too, Nathan? And you're going to come up in here and say this to me? Didn't you hear those women in the past talk about Saul killing his thousand, I killed my 10,000, and you walk up in here and say, I'm the man? Nathan, you messed up the day. You don't know who you're talking to. David had every right to say that to Nathan. He could have said, Nathan, did you read my killing legacy? You know how many people I killed in my life? And you came up in here and said, what? I'm the man. Yeah, I'm going to be the man, all right. I'm going to be the man that lifts you up your head today. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, he didn't take that route. The Bible says pride go before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. When David heard that, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. And he was sincere. 
sin. And Nathan said, also the Lord has taken away your iniquity and your sin. You know what David feared more than anything, y'all? He was underneath a king that left God, and God left the king, and an evil spirit came upon this king and turned him into a mad man. David didn't want that to happen to him. He remembered the days when Saul had that javelin in his hand waiting to smite him to the wall. He remembered the days when he ran into the cave and he hid from Saul. And this is when Nathan brought it down to him when the rubber meets the road. He said, I've given you your master's house and his wives and all his concubines. And if that wasn't enough, I would have given you more. But you took your right and hit tight white and slew him with the sword of the enemy? I can't overlook that, David. Man, Saul didn't even do that. Saul was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, boy, I'm telling you. But he wasn't, Saul didn't have a woman problem. You get me? Saul had a power problem. And that power driven him right out of the kingdom to the point that he committed suicide. Remember, y'all? Suicide. This man tried to kill the next king that was coming behind him. And when you read the book of Samuel, I think it's Samuel chapter 17 or 18, when it said, and Saul was afraid of David. For he knew he wasn't gullible now. He had deserved it. The gift was there. He knew that the Lord was with David. He was afraid of him. And because of Saul's insecurity, he began to send that boy away. He would not let that boy do anything. He tried to get him killed. He drove him, tried to drive him away as far as he can from him. Folks, hear me today. God called men to occupy titles and positions for a season. What you do with your title and your position, who you are right now, what you do, God's going to hold all of us accountable for what we do with the title and the position he gave to us. If you are over somebody or leading people, do it with a humble heart. Do it faithfully. Do it as unto the Lord. Do it with a joy on your spirit. And ask God to put people around you who can help you. Nobody can do something on their own. We got to be careful of the spirit of pride. Don't get caught up into pride. Don't get caught up into self-righteousness. We got to be very careful because God is not a respectable person. He'll put you there, but he will also take you down if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And I know that we've gotten to the point where a lot of times we say, God say, touch not my anointing, do my prophet no harm. And that is the word of God. When God got anointed on his people, don't touch them. And the thing is, he loves all of us. If you're saved, God anointed all of us. David got the worst whooping in his life for killing Uriah the Hittite than anybody else. Did you hear me? He might not put his hand on Saul, but what he did to Uriah the Hittite, he got a spanking that was out of this world. You would have thought he did it to Saul. God said the sword would never depart from your house. Don't raise up enemy in your house. Starting with his own oldest son, Absalom. Kill him by the sword. Because David took one man. Now, Uriah was anointed man of God. He was faithful 
so faithful he wouldn't go home to his sweet, beautiful wife, Bathsheba. He wouldn't even touch her. He said, how can I go to the battle and fight when my lord, the king, and his army is out there fighting? I can't go home and sleep with my wife. This man was faithful. Folks, let me tell you something. When they say, touch not my anointed, do my prophet no harm, God is not a respectable person. He's not talking about just titles. He's talking about his people. Period. If they are anointed and God got his hand on them, you better not touch them. They don't need to have a title. Don't you bother with them. Leave them alone. They love the Lord. If Sister Mary Lou loves to pray all the time, then God is anointed her to pray. Leave her alone. Don't mess with her. God's hand is on her. And so we learn these things from David where he made his mistake at. But he learned. He learned the lesson. And by the same token, God didn't let Absalom touch David either. David never touched the king Saul. But Absalom went after David. And God allowed Absalom to get taken out by good old Joab. Joab didn't care. Joab was a warrior. So what we got to remember this, y'all. God has a plan for all of his people. For whatever thing was written was written for our learning. He want to build the church and take the church to different levels in health, different foundations to the point that the church is running the way it's supposed to be like a church like Philadelphia or the church like Smyrna or the church like, I think it was Ephesus. There's different churches that God has raised up that he can use to his glory. It's a place of a stronghold in a righteous way where people can come in and find refuge, where they can come and hear a word from the Lord. If they don't say that they can just sit in there and just rock from backwards and forth. They, 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 the, the church, I see a church that is coming that when you walk through the door, you're going to cry. It's just not a cry of sorrow, but tears of joy. Because you're going to say, I feel you in this place, God. You're here. And I know God is building his house to be like that. When they come in, healing is going to take place. Restoration is going to be taking place. And uh, miracles are going to take place just by them walking through the doors. God is going to restore his people. His people. He loves his people. Because he wants people. God wants his kingdom to be filled with souls, he wanted to be filled with souls. There were times when the church could let out a shout, but there are times when we got to go and witness to those people in your neighborhood, encourage those people in your community. Be a great example at your job. Make a difference wherever you go at. I bet you got to draw people to you, want to talk to you, ask you, would you pray for them? People are watching us. Kevin, is there anything you want to say? I'm listening, brother. Go ahead. And anybody else would like to say something, just push star eight, and you can join in on the conversation, anybody else. Yeah, praise the Lord, Brother Calvin. I just want to, uh, what you were saying, uh, Jesus told us that, uh, that when the church becomes one, uh, then the, the lead uh, that the Father has sent him, uh, it's so it's so important, and I think because of the division within the body of Christ, the church, 
many people are not feeling the love. They're not feeling the unity. We're not with one accord. And for that reason, you have other so-called beliefs out here that may give uh, that perception, such as you may have the, uh, uh, the, uh, those who are in Islam. Uh, when they see one another, they greet one another because they may not know each other, but because they may see him in the garb or they may see the beard and have an assumption that they're Muslims, and they greet one another, uh, and they give the precept of love. These are the things the Lord say. that's how others will know that you're my disciples. So one of the things that, you know, what must we do in this time and day and hour the church, we must show that unity. We must show, and those who are in ministry, we can't lose sight of what the goal of ministry is for the perfection of the saints, for the work of the ministry, the perfection of the saints. We are to build one another up, and we can do that in so many different ways, but we, we got to get away from that clickish mentality. We got to get away from our own agenda. We have to get away from, I'm trying to build myself up so I can stand above someone. We have to realize the gifts are coming from God, and if they're coming from God, those gifts are to serve uh, God's people and to give him the glory. So we must, within ourselves, and that's something we can all add to our prayer life, uh, Lord, help us to be unified one to another uh, and then others will begin, and, and that's how in the early time, as you mentioned, when they brought the money in, that was for those who had a lack. Uh, so we must get back to those ancient times of how the apostles uh, were operating under the anointing, and we can't lose sight of that. It's so important for this church to be on fire, and one of the things of being on fire is to love one another, forgiving one another. Uh, we can't have that carnal mind. We know carnal mind is death, and in many cases is the death of some churches uh, because we cannot forgive one another, or we have our own personal agenda and we lose sight of one another. Jesus said, what you do to the least of my brother, and you do unto me. So we have to realize that those of us that labor in, in, in the Lord, that our labor is not in vain, that uh, we can't put too much emphasis on the labor and not on God's will, which is to love one another, to edify and to build up one another and stay connected. Yes, sir. I like that. I want to bring to your attention, uh, let's go to the book of Psalms, chapter 84. I want to show you something that is a blessing to me that I love. Psalms 84, if you will, and uh, many of you may know that passage already if you're scholars, because we got scholars listed in on the, the topic of what we're doing, talking about and discussing. Um, I love it when God come into the congregation of his people, like with Solomon, they couldn't even, the priest couldn't minister no more. And then you see it in the book of um, Acts, when he came in so strong, the power was so good, and everybody getting slain in the spirit. And it just, it's a corporate. It wasn't somebody putting their sweaty palms on nobody's head. God was just moving by his spirit, slaying people. Folks, God still moved like that. He don't need big-time names that's all on TVN to do that. He can use you. 
He's only looking for availability. He's looking for people who are available. Psalm chapter 84, verse 10 and 11. Listen to what it says. For the day in thy courts is better than thousands. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord is the sun and a shield. The Lord will have, will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold for them that walk up right before him. That's God's promises to us. Kev, would you like to elaborate on that? Because we know that David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper uh, 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 in the house of the Lord. A doorkeeper, a usher. I remember the first ministry that I ever did in church, I was an usher post. And I loved usher. You couldn't beat me usher. I would be there standing, smiling. <laughs> wait the people come, greet them at the door, open the door, hello, greeting everybody, hugs and kissing and shaking hands and escorting them to the island, smiling while they were sitting down, smiling, walking back to the back of the church. You couldn't beat me usher. And I was the usher at a church at that time. I was at Crusader for Christ. Man, I ushered, man. I didn't care what happened. Hell or high water. If it's my day to usher, I'm on my post. You see, all my life I enjoyed doing things for the Lord. And maybe that's why sometimes you could be misunderstanding as a person that wants a title or position because you delight in serving God. And whatever you do, you do it with joy. And so for me, I was always excited about ushering. And there was a time when people were trying to, you know, they were, my friends didn't mean any harm. They would ask me to preach and go forth in the ministry, and I wouldn't do it because I, I didn't want no parts of the pulpit, no parts of it. For one, I was nervous and I was fearful. Fear the fear had me. I'm like, man, I can't get up there and preach. Now, one-on-one and talking with people about the Lord, love it. Outreach door-to-door, love it. I love doing that thing, knocking on the doors and, how you doing, man? I would like to share with you about, I loved it, all of that. But don't tell me to go to that pulpit. We're going to have a problem. I'm not going to that pulpit. In fact, you can ask me to preach. I'm not showing up that day because I don't want no part of that pulpit. But God has brought us a long way. I had a pastor that had to rebuke me that I never met in my life. He asked me, was you, he said, are you a minister? I wasn't no minister. Life or nothing like that. I said, no. He said, God is going to allow you when you open the Bible, when you read it, he's just going to give you revelation and understanding out of it. He's just going to open it up. I was a young man at the time with my buddies from Soldiers for Christ. And then he looked at me and he said, and when God opened doors for you to preach, don't close it. He said, don't walk away. Don't abort it or something like Don't turn it down. That's the word he said. Don't turn it down. He was a praying pastor. And we met another friend of ours there for him to pray with the guys from Soldier for Christ on Shelton. I'll never forget it. I, I, I can tell you the man's name is to this day. But I know one thing, he gave me a nice, nice, loving rebuke. And then after that, I still was scared to go in that pulpit. God had to start weaning me to that point. I wasn't trying to, nah, man, I wasn't part of no pulpit. I could shout and cheer and bring out my pom-pom and cheer my butt on. But I wasn't trying to preach. <laughs> Go ahead, Kevin. Something you want to say, bro? 
Yeah, yeah, praise the Lord. You know, it's something, you know, when, when David said, I, I had rather uh, been a doorkeeper in the house of my God. Uh, it's something when you come to that place of knowing where you used to be, knowing what course of action that you were on, uh, and it was you knew you were headed towards destruction. And when you realize that God stepped in because he loved you so much that he began to remove the skills from your eyes, he began, he began to change the course of your life. At that point, when you realize where would I have been and you know the course of your action, it was only a matter of time uh, when destruction would have got the best of you. But then when God brought you out of that place in totality where you don't, it's not a thing of just being in the church that I'm not doing these things because you see me. I don't do these things anymore because I'm thankful that the Lord had delivered me. When you get to that place, and I started off the same way, Brother Calvin, uh, as an usher. And I loved it because I was actually doing it, doing it as unto the Lord. And whether the saints were having good days or bad days, whether they would speak to me or not speak to me, uh, I still spoke anyway because I was excited about being saved. And that's where we all got to get back to. We got to get back to that excitement of realizing that the almighty God, what manner of love has he bestowed upon us that we are now the sons of God? I mean, even just consider dust and ashes. And God, with his impartation of his Holy Spirit, is dwelling in the midst of dust and ashes. This is the almighty God. And it's something that I won't do. One of the first ministries also the Lord sent me on as a law enforcement officer. Uh, we used to, you know, being in narcotics, we used to arrest not only dealers but users. And most of the users uh, would give an address of 1360 Ridge Avenue, which I, I come to find out that that was a homeless shelter. Well, after about a year, I would say maybe a year and a half after the Lord delivered me, he also wanted me to do work outside the church. And he that, that 1360 was implanted in my heart. And I'm like, Lord, what you want me to do with this? And so he used one of the deacons at the church because the Lord also directed me to get in some type of missionary work, evangelism work, uh, and he used a deacon. The deacon said, he said, Brother Kevin, why don't you go down to the men's shelter on Ridge Avenue? And I said, wow, look at God. And I was like, Lord, you sure you want me to go down there because you just saved me, you just delivered me. But one thing he did put in my heart, and I'm very thankful for it, was a hunger and thirst for his word. And I just fell in love with the word of God, and he gave me some understanding. And I went down there, knocked on the door down there, and talked to the guys down there. And for three years, the Lord just put me in that position to the same guys I was arresting to go back and to share the word of God. So I said, just look at God. But I was just excited. I'm not saying I didn't have any fear, but I just continued to pray to God and say, Lord, if you send to me, I know you're going to prepare me. And that was an environment uh, where the Lord used it as a tutelage for me uh, for also outreach ministry out in the street because there was a lot of Muslims there. There was a lot of atheists there and so forth. It wasn't just those that believed in Jesus Christ. It was a, a, a full array of different people in that men's shelter, some mentally ill and so forth. And so, uh, But the Lord also used that to humble me as well. And so uh, once again, if when we get back to that place, remember our first love when the Lord 
delivered us. And, you know, it's something how even in the Old Testament, uh, throughout the Old Testament, the Lord continued to remind them, I am the Lord thy God that brought you out of the house of Egypt. And that's part of pure worship is to remember who God is. Remember where he brought you from. Remember how mighty he is. Even in our situation, many of us was in the house of bondage in sin. We had that sin that we just thought it was a part of us. But the Lord stepped in with his grace and mercy and delivered us. And when we get to that point to realize we had nothing to do with salvation. It was all God. And when we get back to that place, we'll begin to humble ourselves in whatever capacity that God called us into ministry. And we'll remember if he did it for me, he can do it for others. And so we won't forget. We won't forget that others are in that place, house of bondage. And Jesus gave us the remedy. He said, if I be lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. And so we got to get back into uh, remembering, remember where we, we used to be and how jacked up we were uh, and, and take the same. One thing that the, the word tells us is that a God was in Christ reconciling the world back to himself, and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, he was essentially, he did all the work and he took the baton and handed it to the church. Now we reached out and we received not only the gift of salvation, but also the words of reconciliation. Now we have the baton. The question is, what are we going to do with it? Uh, wow, Kev. I want to ask you a, a question, Kev, because I, I like what you're sharing, and it's good stuff, man. Well, was there ever a time when, as an officer, you, you seen a person at the point of death when you were saved and you had to step right in and the Lord told you, give them the word of salvation and lead them to me? Did, did that ever happen during the course of while you're an officer that you had to do that, or if someone was on a dying bed and you had to go in and just share with them? Because you, you're dealing with, you, you're at the gate of life and death when you're up <laughs> and you see a lot of things. So elaborate on that for us, my brother, please, my friend. Well, Brother Kevin, I would like to say that when I was out in the street, out in the field, uh, that I was saved, but I was not saved at that time. I was just full of myself on things my way, and I used to love that work so much uh, that the only thing I was thinking about at that time was arresting folks. I had a zeal. I would feel a certain kind of way because I was tactical from the year of 19, uh, 1993, 1993 up until the year of 08 when the Lord delivered me. And so there was a time in my life where the job, I was living for that. That's who I was serving. I was serving a job. Uh, I was just so much into the work of, of being a tactical officer, a narcotic officer, uh, but what I will say is, after the Lord delivered me, uh, and I'm still a police officer, but the Lord shifted my position. Uh, I'm still in the narcotic unit, but now I work down in the court system as a narcotic expert. Uh, and so I testify on cases, uh, of, of drug cases, when they have a substantial amount. So the moment that the Lord saved me, he shifted me in a position that I worked Nine or eight to four, 
weekends off, and that allows me to do uh, work in the, the, the things in the ministry that the Lord would have me to do. But one thing I will say is I've come across quite a few individuals that I have arrested. One individual was actually an informant of mine. He's saved and I'm saved. I visit his church before he visit my church. I ran into individuals. I just ran into a young man uh, about, I would say, three weeks ago. And he said, you know what? He said, you know what, uh, Officer Keys, he said, you helped save my life. I said, what are you talking about? He said, when you arrested me, he said, I was on, he was on his way to destruction uh, out there selling them drugs. And he got an arrest and he went to jail and so forth. And so what it also had, uh, gave me an opportunity is to share the gospel. We, we go back to the old stories of the way when I was working in North Philly, working in West Philly, uh, we go back to those, but we use that as a common ground. Uh, we remember what each of us used to do back at that time, and, and God has opened many doors uh, for me to share the gospel now with individuals who I have arrested in the past. Wow, man, because that that's a heavy job, man. That and being a – I got a friend. <laughs> he's the same brother that God is using. He's a lawyer. And he's a prosecutor, so <laughs> you get in front of him, you're going to jail. He's sending you away. And that's another that I'm mentoring. And my God, man, God has given this young man, he just maybe a year younger than two years younger than me, but he called me and uh, me and him were talking, man. God gave him some beautiful stuff the way God is dealing with him. And and now that God is opening his eyes, he said that people call him the pastor of the courtroom. He got people that's coming to him, Caucasian people, lawyers, and they're pulling him aside and talking with him because they're looking for hope. Listen, y'all, our purpose is so big. It's bigger than a pulpit, y'all. It's bigger than a pulpit. This boy called me, and he would talk with me, and people who all kind of domestic violence, the thing that happened out, he's giving people counseling to develop them and giving them advice. He said, off the record, I would advise you to, you know, find a church home where you can go and fellowship and get some godly counseling. But this boy is on fire for God. I, I tell you, God has people everywhere, everywhere. Something you want to say, Brother Ken? No, I, I was just saying amen uh, to how God is just raising up his people in different positions. Uh, the time is running out on this world, and God is is really moving. He's moving fast. He's moving uh, in in the anointing of His Holy Spirit uh, to touch people who are in positions that it may not be popular to say that you're saved. It may not be popular in certain positions because certain positions you could be ostracized because of your faith. But God is raising up a spirit of boldness in certain individuals uh, who don't care about if they're accepted by their peers or not, just doing the work of the Lord. And then, and then being bold like that, the Lord is, is also uh, people who are otherwise won't be coming to church, but the church is coming to them uh, in certain positions. And they may not be there in certain positions uh, preaching the word, quoting scriptures, but living the life. And God is drawing those individuals. Some come with other folks. Some come uh, independently, uh, you know, one person to another person in a corner somewhere. I got something going on. I done tried it every other way. Can you pray for me? 
So that's just, that's just a blessing uh, when you're talking about the prosecutor uh, being in that position, even with myself. Uh, a lot of the officers call me Brother Keys uh, because uh, at one time, I'm not saying I was always bold, because when the Lord first saved me and I was sitting down there on Silver Street, sitting in my car studying the word, uh, when they would come down the street, all of my, my old running and gunning buddies, when we used to, you know, serving search warrants and making arrests and things like that, I began to take the Bible and slide the Bible off my lap onto the side of the door. Uh, and then the Lord began to convict me and say, well, you know, if you're ashamed of me, I'd be ashamed of you. And so then I began to pray for that spirit of boldness. And before you know it, the Lord had me having a pocket full of tracks, and I used to leave them in the bathroom and, 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 and begin to just share the word with a, with a lot of guys. So I'm thankful of the spirit of boldness, and I'm thankful that the Lord is able, uh, in the positions uh, that we may have, able to, to use his people to share the gospel, uh, you know, going in certain courtrooms and so forth, and maybe sitting with one officer and the Holy Spirit to say, hand him a track, and you hand that individual a track. And because of your position, that's already the common ground for the conversation to start or for those people to know who you are and for you to know who they are. But at the same time, we must be about our Father's business. Amen, man. Amen. And uh, I, I, I'm totally with you with that, Kev. It, it's just so awesome. I, I am grateful to know people who, in law enforcement, who are firemen, who are detectives, and who are homeland security. Got buddies doing that too. We got our other does that too. Um, so we. People like that that's out there and uh listen y'all excited to be saved and doing the type of work to have friends. Um lawyers, um and these are people who are in the high market in places that's making a difference in other people's lives. So what we wanna do is just continue to make a difference in, in people's lives, man. And when you go into the shelters, I, I listen, man, I, I love dealing with shelter work, especially when it comes to going to the men's shelters. Oh, man. I get excited, man. I, I can't, you know, I, maybe it's just me, but because I know I'm going into the area where people are in a place that they don't really want to be at that place at that time, time in their life, but it's an honor if you can get to go before them and share a word with them. Man, it's an honor to do that, man. And I don't take that lightly. I would go to a shelter quicker than any pulpit because I love going in there where those people are at. They need to be built up and strengthened. And um, especially the one, have you, if you ever go to the one, I think it's called the 300. You go inside there and it just, it's, it's, it's awesome. And I remember one time I was asked to preach at the 300 that's up there off of, um, I think it's Spring Garden. I'm not sure. But it, I, I, I see Muslim, Arab, Muslim females going in the back cooking for these people, y'all. Our people. Muslim, Arab people. Females going in there cooking. They had their head covered, and they was going in there to cook for our people, black men, Caucasian men. They was going in there to cook for them. And I know as I was saying the word, they could hear me because the speaker system was real loud. But if they can go in there and do it, we need women of Zion to go in there and be an example to these men. Somehow, 
a door was open for them to go in there and share, and they capitalized on it. And so I know that God has a glorious, awesome church, y'all. I can't explain it, but I know God's house is going to be a place when people walk in that door, the presence of God is so strong. I feel it at my church when I walk in the door, the presence of God. I don't know if it's other people that if they feel or not, but I feel that power when I go in there, and I love it when we have prayer at our church. I love it, man. I love it. If you don't see me at prayer because I had to do something on that Wednesday night, but, man, I love being at prayer at our church. And pastors up on the, on the pulpit praying, I believe God going to fill his house. We had a glorious time this week with the, um, the church anniversary. Awesome time. And that Monday, pastor had it where we could come in and pray, and, man, the saints was there. We just shouted and we prayed and we prayed and we worshiped before God. I love those experiences. Those are the things that sticks with me the most because it's two ways that God, when it sticks with me the most, is where I hear pastors preaching the word strong and the Lord is using them, and when we go into a prayer and there's a worship that go behind it, man, that thing stays with me. I don't know about everybody else, but for me, I, I need that. It's like somebody just pouring oil in your spirit and just filling you up all over again, a refreshing. And so I try to run with that, and keep that in mind, but it is my heart desire to see the people of God, the saints in the church, to move forward into loving each other, praying for each other, encouraging each other. Stop saying, I don't trust people. That's not a word in the Bible that God told us to use. We don't use that word, I don't trust those, I don't trust. First of all, the Bible tells us this, don't know no man after the flesh. In fact, he said, curse is the man that trusts in flesh, whose heart departed from the Lord. But it said, blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. So we're not supposed to trust each other. We're supposed to love one another. And I know there are different levels of trust. I know because there are different levels of fellowship that people have. Some men fellowship is stronger with other brothers than they are with other brothers. But I, I, I don't want us to live as a church off of that saying, I don't trust them. That's why we won't use them in ministry. We can't say that to people, y'all. If you don't trust them, you need to get to know them. Get to know them. Make it your business to get to know them. Be as transparent as you can with that sister or that brother that you can. Be transparent with them. You might just realize you really like this person. Again, that all along you misunderstood them. You might have just misunderstood them. And that's why it's good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. We have to come together, y'all. And God want to make us a corporate dunamis. I'm not kidding you. But the church is going to get there. I've already seen it. He's moving us in that direction. Man, we didn't see nothing yet. As Donald Trump continue to do his thing, God is going to do his thing. <laughs> I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to look at something in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. This is a powerful book. It is a book that, it's a book that when you want to walk in faith and God want to equip you and give you the armor and polish up your armor, this is what he put in the Windex, if you will, on your armor. And uh, he's polishing up uh, our armor. Hebrews chapter 10, book of Hebrews. The word of God is so good, man. We 
got to get to the point where we get greedy for the word. Greedy. And, Kevin, I share that same thing that you share when you say you just love the word of God. I do too, man. And that's one of the things that I know about you, that I love about your spirit when I first met you was you knew that word. I said, I like this brother. This brother know that word. He loves the Lord. I said, God is going to use this man in this church. It's men like you that I love when I see come through new members that I know that God is going to raise them up. And over the years, God rolls you up like a dynamite, brother. He rolls you up. Listen to what it says. Verse 25, Hebrews 10, 25. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, y'all, God is not coming back to a jacked-up church and saying, I don't trust this person. We can't use him, and you don't trust him. You got to watch. He's not coming back for that church. He's coming back a church that we all are exhorting one another insomuch the more as we see the day is approaching. You can get to heaven if you don't love me. You got to love me to get to heaven. You can't say, well, that's Brother Calvin, but I don't trust him. Huh? We all going to heaven. There ain't going to be folks, folks walking around in heaven to old dig old uh, uh, Abe over there. We don't trust him. And that ain't going on in God's kingdom. <laughs> Listen, the thing is, we're not supposed to trust each other, but love one another. Yeah, I love them, but from a distance, folks, let me tell you something. We don't understand when real persecution comes to the church. I'm talking about real persecution. When devils come to the church and start what our Chinese brothers are dealing with, what the church of Smyrna had to deal with, when they come in with our Arab brothers overseas who love the Lord Jesus Christ are dealing with, when they are coming to the church and shooting people in the church just because of the religion that they serve, now you understand how important it is to love one another. We're not each other's enemy, y'all. We are each other's family. And as family, families have disagreements. Me and my brother have disagreements. I promise you we do. We don't think the same and we don't act the same. We have our disagreements, but that's still my brother. I love him. I go out of my way to do whatever I got to do to help him, and he would do the same for me. But we're brothers. We just have our disagreements. But I would never see him struggle and don't help him out. I can't, I can't do that. I can't. It's something to me. God won't let me do that. I can't get away with that, man. I've seen men who can do that and don't miss a sleep. They can do it, and they won't even bother. They'll snore on top of it good. It's like it don't bother them at all. But let me tell you something. When you do that, and that stuff happened. What you have allowed the devil to do has dumbed down your, your discernment. Because Jesus said in the word, as you have done it unto the least, so have you done it unto me. So when I, I see somebody is hurting, or if it's something that I can do within my power, I want to try to do it. That's just how I am. Because I know that God is going to hold me accountable. He's going to say, you saw your brother struggling his needs, not his wants, his needs, and you didn't do anything? I can't do that. I got to step up. If God has blessed me, there is not an excuse in the world that I can't be able to help somebody. I can't do it, man. I 
extent. And when I do that, he gives me more because too much is given, much is required. He gives you more because now he said, you show me that I can trust you with the least. I can trust you with more. Kevin, is there anything you would like to say, my brother? Because I, I, if, if it's anybody else out there would like to jump well, in. I, yeah, I, I had a question, too. Um, it's a multiple question, and uh, let me see how I'm going to put this together. Now, I was listening to Kev when he said about um, he started off as an usher. So one of the ideas that came to my mind just by him speaking is, should a church turn military where people appreciate their titles and know that if they don't respect, <laughs> how you say, well, you know, respect the Lord and the ways of the Lord, they could lose their title and be um, uh, demoted. Because I've been noticing a lot of people when they get, quote, unquote, you know, different titles, you know, they start power tripping. And I'm wondering, would that be a, a better way? Because then if you become an usher, then you know you got to deal with the people. Or should it go to the point of the pastor having a discerned spirit and putting the certain individuals where they need to be placed? And on top of that, is it to the point also where um, sometimes the pastors might have to drip up whoever's available, whoever wants to come to church on an ongoing basis and give them the title and groom them to become more acquainted with the title that they have to give them, even though they have a lot of issues. Now, I don't want to put too much on you because I have more to talk about also, but on those two points, what you think? Well, for one thing, the man of God has a great responsibility. Before he put and appoint anyone into any position, he has to be led by the Lord in everything he does. And hear me carefully. When God talks, he can't say, well, I never ate nothing unclean and uncommon. Peter was a great, great apostle, powerful in faith, moving he speak to people. The Holy Ghost fell down on the Gentile the first time ever. They speaking in tongues just by him teach. His shadow, people getting healed, and all the, the miracles, the signs, and the wonder was incredible on Peter. Awesome, man. His faith was unshakable. People still talking about him walking on water. Man, Peter would move on to do some mind-blowing things after that. But the problem with Peter was Jeff stumbling over that Gentile movement with the Jews. That thing tore Peter up. Tore him up because he, he staggered at certain things that God was trying to move him into. And God kept trying to move Peter there. He he became, I, w- I wouldn't say he was wishy-washy, but he was compromised. That is the key word where I'm going at. Leaders cannot compromise. When God tells them to do something, they got to do what God tells them to do. If it's not the right timing, they can't do it. They got to pray first, ask God. And one of the most key things that leaders must do, it can't be somebody that you like him and you trust him and you put him in that position. 
And the Lord didn't say, but you like him, you trust him, you put him up in that position. Let me tell you something, man. You know how many church got messed up because of that? Messed up. God never told you to do that. You did that on your own. A lot of time, what we don't understand, I forgot um, when Judas and David did the quote, he said he was, uh, we went to the house of God, we had great fellowship, communion with God, he lifted up his heel against me. Let me tell y'all something. Anytime you're dealing with a Judas, a Judas is not somebody that you don't trust from a distance. You don't trust them, so you keep them away from her. Your Judas, if you ever a pastor, or if you are a pastor, your Judas is somebody that's right next to you that you thought you could trust. That is your Judas. He's not somebody that you didn't trust or that you're suspicious of him. Judas. You see, this is where a lot of people don't understand that Judas is somebody that's in your fivefold circle. If it is a Judas in there, if there is a Judas in there, Judas will always be the one. Like David had the brother that he knew. Judas was a part of the twelve disciples, not the part of. See, Jesus had twelve disciples. He had three that was real close to him. He had twelve that he kept around him. And he had 70 that he used for ministry, and he had 500 to 300 people that followed him for the fishes and loaves. So you can see the different level, the, the 300 or 500 that follow him for the fishes and loaves, the 70 that cast out devils, the 12 that was around him, and the three that was very intimate with Christ, very intimate. They saw his glory. When Peter said, it's Peter, James, and John, those three, it's good for us to be here. So when a leader think of being betrayed, the first thing he do is look out abroad. Well, so-and-so didn't agree with you did this pastor or whatever. Oh, well, we ain't going to use him. I can't trust him. Raise up this other. Listen, it's going to be that person that's waiting for you to die right there, pastor. It's going to be your Judas. It ain't going to be somebody that's out there that you didn't didn't agree with you. That ain't going to be your problem. Your problem is going to be that border right there with you that's in the meeting that only you and him and knows what's going on at the leader's this is what, and I don't say that for pastors that look at people that's beside them, because every man is not like that. They're not like that. But what I am saying, when people are betrayed, betrayal takes place from those, it could be a sister or your own brother, your family members. It could be a wife or a husband. Listen, y'all, you'd be surprised. But whoever the devil can use, He's going to use someone that's right up underneath your fifth rib so they can pick the dagger in you real good. There ain't going to be somebody that you like, you got to watch that boy. No, 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 that ain't going to be the one. That ain't going to be the one. It's going to be the one that you right next to your heart. <laughs> it's going to be a son or a daughter. You don't know. But you will see all the signs and symptoms there. Listen, you got to be prayerful. And this is why God called all of us to be prayerful. And using people, sometimes if people are not ready, when you hold an office, there are requirements of standards that you got to live by. I'm not talking about weakness. You may have, this is different between a weakness and a struggle. Everybody got weakness. Everybody got a weakness. I don't care how good they can preach, prophesy, lay hands, or everybody got a weakness. But then you have those who have struggles. They struggle with things, various things, struggles. 
and then you have those who have strongholds. These people are still saved, y'all. They're not not saved. They're still saved. So you got weakness that everybody has. You have struggles that people may battle with from time to time that things show up or itch that need to be scratched. Then you have strongholds that people, they've been trapped like that for many years battling with that thing. And then you have the lukewarmers, and then you have the backsliders. And people kill the lukewarmers who are trying to stay in the church, and the backslider, they just criticize them. But the lukewarmers are the ones that trying to hang. They lukewarm, but they still in the house. Don't drive them out the house. Don't drive them out the house. Don't put them down and discommunicate. Don't do that. Because when you reject them, I got a text from a dear friend that said, pray for a dear sister. That sister knew another sister who was in the homosexuality. The girl got saved years ago. And as God changed her life, she began to have a, a zeal for God, reading the words. She came out of homosexuality, and the leader pulled her aside and said that she's too zealous for the Lord, and she's scaring the church, and blah, 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 blah. And then the next thing you know, the girl lost her home, her job, and she wound up going back into homosexuality. Listen, y'all, we got to get on the ball. Let's stop rejecting each other as people. You don't know what people are dealing with. Don't reject them. Be an encouragement to them. Listen to them. You don't need to put them in a position, but you got to carry them through their strongholds in their life. Like I say, one, weakness. Two, people deal with, um, um, the word, you got the weakness, you got the, um, ah, I don't forgot what the word was now. I can't even remember the word. And then it's the third one, which is called um, lukewarm. And then the fourth one is stronghold. And then the fifth one, you, you backslide not there. You know what I mean? So struggles. Yeah, they got struggles. That's what they go through, some struggles. So you got your weakness, your struggles, and you got your lukewarmness, and then you got your stronghold and then you got your backsliding, and it happens like that. But we got to pray for everybody. It's not how they start off, it's how they finish. Kevin, is there anything you'd like to say, my brother? Yeah, in regards to uh, Will's uh, question, uh, which you were elaborating on, uh, you know, it's something how uh, we do have individuals that have bad days. Um, you know, and go on with life struggles, issues with the family, issues with finances, and so forth. Uh, none of us are perfect in any field. And like you said, we all have a weakness, but the Lord is, is working with us in that weakness. But when you get to the point where you totally got your own agenda, you just have a more a stronghold, or you just got a lot of worldliness in you, you've been somewhat projecting yourself to be saved, and depending on the size of the church or your uh, willingness to work in a particular ministry, uh, you have to be careful when you're in God's house, and God will not be mocked. Uh, he that soweth into the flesh shall reap corruption. The word says if you exalt yourself, then God will abase you. Uh, so you really uh, will, an individual who's in a position and is not as unto the Lord, it's only a matter of time before that individual gets exposed 
and you're in God's house. You're not going to mock God. Uh, and God knows how to bring you to a place uh, where you either come to that place of repentance or you come to that place uh, where you no longer want to operate in that position uh, because uh, God knows how to bring you down. Uh, but like like Brother Calvin said, most folks that want to serve the Lord, uh, they they do have a, a good heart to a certain point to want to be a servant. Uh, they may have to get over the people issue, particularly as an usher. You're dealing with a lot of different people. And as our pastors say, everybody in deliverance is not delivered. So not only are you dealing with the saved, but you're dealing with the unsaved. And after a while, it can wear you down, depending on what you're doing, if you're around uh, the congregation and so forth. But, yes, if you have someone who's just outwardly just have a cardinal mind for whatever reason, you may have a thief try to get in the ranks. Uh, but the Lord knows how to bring that person down. Uh, God knows the heart of man. And so what man can't see, God can see. Mm, amen. I know that's right. Uh, so did, did that answer your question, Will? Yes. Um, hey, that was excellent. And um, shoot, I have so many daggone questions, but y'all was going in so hard and so well. I had to keep my mouth shut and just let. <laughs> Man, do you know sometimes when you just keep your mouth shut, you can hear things and you can get things answered and you can get new strategies and new ways of living and new mindset just by paying attention. And I said, let me keep my mouth shut because y'all was going in. And I'm so happy that y'all did. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut until next Monday or until next Tuesday when you get on. I hope I don't forget because, you know, I forget a lot of things, especially I forget people who do me wrong. That's so hard to forget. But, you have to do it, because God did it. We keep doing him wrong every day we wake up. <laughs> we forget to pray. We forget to thank him. We forget everything until it's time that we need him. But, preach on, because I seem like he's in over. Yeah, because a lot of time, um when you look at what's going on, man, God is moving, and he's taking his church somewhere, um, and he's going to continue to just build the church up to where he will have them in a place where it will be stronger than ever before, man. That, that That's his purpose. And um, we, I'm excited about what God is doing, but I, I, I also believe in laboring with, you know, the people watching them get built up. I'm a laborer. I see a lot of people in church because we took our time to stick it out with them. I could have given up on them. I didn't. And now they're strong in the Lord. But it took some time. It took some, it took months, some it took years. But you'll never know that they were struggling bad. But we didn't give up on them. And so now they're leaders in churches. They're leaders at our church. And you would never know who all it was because you don't see them in that light. You see the anointing on it like now. But what people don't realize, there was a time when that brother was going through. <laughs> that sister was going through. The devil had them, brother, by the foot. And, you know, one of the things, uh, my, one of my favorite group was, um, um, uh, uh, I 
got the name. Ah, Lord. It's a group called, uh, ah, my God. Men of Sanders. Thank you, Lord. They, one of the songs, one of the boys said on the song, it's hard to be big when little got you. <laughs> there were some little things in their life, but it had them. It was hard for them to be big when little got them. I, I've seen men struggle with crack who was ministers. I've seen men struggle with marijuana. People struggle with lust, typical lust, every man battle. People struggle with uh, lying, anger, pride, alcohol. I'm talking about average Joe. I'm talking about ministers. Right now, there's a lot of churches that's out there that has pastors who are alcoholics. Big time. They drink it a lot. And folks don't know it. They are alcoholics, y'all. Alcoholics. Alcoholics. They're they going through. So a lot of people are. They're they going through things, man. You'd be surprised. So, And then this other thing that we call Iniquity, iniquity is what's on the inside. People who struggle with pride, who struggle with unforgiveness, who struggle with bitterness, who struggle with insecurity to other people. You know, they when somebody else is gone, God is not even being in the pool pit, but God is just using them, they get insecure and get angry about it, and they get mad at them. They look for something to scandalize them. I, I you know, been around men who lie. They just got a problem lying. They got a lying spirit on them. And if you're not careful, they'll lie on you too. You got to be careful with some people. I never forget the story of the three pastors. Like I said before, they went fishing. They began to talk about their personal problems with each other. One pastor said, he had a problem when they were out fishing there. One pastor said he had a problem with gambling. Couldn't stop gambling. He gambles a lot. The second pastor said, well, he had a problem with lusting after women. He just can't handle lusting after women. The third pastor was sitting there quiet. They said, well, you're quiet. What's your struggle? He said, well, I got a problem gossiping. I tell everything that I hear. And when I get back to the land, I'm going to tell both of y'all business out too. Listen, man, people got different issues that people go through, man. So you, you got to be discerning in this hour and know what God is calling you to do. Be mindful of all things. Be prayerful of all things. And at this time right now, I just want to say to everybody that's out there that we love you, we are concerned for you, and we're praying that God will be with you. And we want to pray with you. Kevin, do you want to say something to close us out in prayer? Uh, yeah, I also like to, uh, someone who's listening right now who does not know Jesus Christ as they would I like to lead them uh, in the sinner's prayer, given an opportunity. Uh, I says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made. Jesus says they enemy me with their mouths, and they draw near to me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So it's a combination of believing in the heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins. Uh, and so I like to give 
anyone that's listening right now that opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And you just repeat after me, uh, just believe what you're saying, and God will save you right where you are. You repeat after me, Lord Jesus, forgive me, a sinner. Save my soul. Wash me in the blood of Jesus Christ. Come into my heart to be Lord, Master, and Savior of my life. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Send your Holy Spirit down in my heart that from this moment on, I'll live for you to the glory of your holy name. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for being an all-sufficient God. We thank you, Lord, for giving us this opportunity, Lord, through the radio program, Lord God, to speak your word to fellowship with one another, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that your word has reached the hearts and minds of someone, Lord, who is maybe struggling right now or need to grow in the faith. Lord God, you have given us the opportunity to talk about the things that we need today, for you are a relevant God. You are a sufficient God. Lord, we pray, Father God, that you continue to speak to your church, that we love one another, that we forgive one another and that we help to comfort and edify one another. Bless your leaders, Lord God. Lord, continue to strengthen them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Those who may be struggling with something, Lord God, we pray you strengthen them on every side, that they'll resist temptation. Breathe a fresh anointing upon them, Lord, for the preaching and teaching of your word in the name of Jesus. For, Lord, we know that we're approaching that last day. And, Lord, you have called your church, Lord God, to be bold, to be strong, to love one another, and to do the work of the gospel. Continue to bless families, bless homes, continue to deliver the drug dealer, the drug addict, deliver those, Lord, who have a mind based on materialism in the name of Jesus. And, Lord God, we pray, Father God, you continue to, your Shekinah glory, to move in the prisons, how move into the hospitals, Lord, where the doctors have given up on them or people have given up on individuals, Lord God. For though their bodies may be bound, your word has free course, Lord God, to touch them in the uttermost. And, Father God, we continue to pray for this radio station. We pray for uh, Brother Calvin, Lord God, that you continue to use him mightily, Lord, in your purpose and the things of God. Continue, Lord, to draw more souls, Lord God, to tune in, to listen in, and we pray, Lord, that you stir up that, that, that spirit of inquiry, Lord God, where they'll begin to call in about some of the things that they may not be sure of, or they may need uh, a word from you, Lord. And Lord, in all these things, we'd be ever so careful to give you the glory, give you the honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Will, are you there, my brother? Oh, am I? <laughs> People, uh, 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 I hope you have a full understanding of church. Because, again, the title was, uh, because now we move forward. What can we do in this time, day, and hour with church? So I really hope y'all got a full understanding, you know, 
I always do this on Monday, have church, and I have special anointed guests and speakers. And um, one day we might have one of your pastors come on and relax and chill out with Minister Calvin Myers, Minister Kelvin, Minister Ann Williams. You know what? There's so many. And problem is, not everybody got to be a pastor. Because with church, I just came up with like, you know, I don't care if you belong to a church, not going to a church, haven't been to a church, need to see a church, talking about a church. This is church. And I'm all about freedom of speech, freedom to grow, and freedom to learn and know. Welcome to Sound City Radio. All I want you to do is be real, be safe, and my God, you better be ready because I'm a Jesus guy, and you ain't going to be a determined. You might be able to turn me out, but you ain't going to turn me into what you think you know me, unless I'm dead. Then you can do anything you want. <laughs> I'm already chilling upstairs. But until then, I just got to tell y'all, they call me Will of God. Other people call me another name, DJ Chill, whatever. But I'm really, really happy about what we heard today. And I'm hoping everybody receives what y'all heard today. But please, if you got any questions, comments, or any concern, you can email me at DJ underscore chill at my.com. That's DJ underscore chill at my.com. Until then, Minister Kyle Myers, you got anything else to say? Minister Kyle, you got anything else to say? Because, um, hello. No, I'm good, Kev. I did the prayer, and, and I'm great. I'm satisfied with that. And I, I just I love you people. Continue to tune in, get build up, get disciples on this radio because we got a lot more stuff coming down the pipeline that we just gonna be a blessing. I just want to give a shout out to my brother Aaron. He was listening in. He's out there on the boardwalk um, in ATL Atlantic City, um, AC in Atlantic City. And so we thank him for tuning in. He texted me and said, "I'm listening in. I'm out here on the beach." So we just love you, Aaron. Be safe. Get back here with us, bro. We love all the people of God. <laughs> Anytime you want to say something, always remember, folks, put star eight. There is no dumb question. The only dumb question there is is the one that was never asked. So then, God bless. Continue to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Grace and peace to all you people. God bless you. Yeah. And Minister Aaron Williams, you out there eating them daggone french fries, man. You cheating. You know you cheating. You better bring back some of them daggone fries, man, because I need to taste some of them daggone Atlantic City fries. <laughs> but don't forget, people, check out Minister Aaron Williams. We got a new um album out called Rin Your Heart. You can check it out on um Spotify on... You know what? Make it easier. Just go on Facebook and pull up Aaron Williams with two A's. And all his information should be right there. Especially his radio show that he's doing Purpose Kingdom Network. Don't forget about On Point Radio tonight. Mr. On Point going to be going in again. Um, that's 724-444-7444. Put the pin number in. 143-1331 pound. Then one pound at the end of the show. Star rate to talk. But I'll always close by saying out. And everybody, I think they're starting to get used to it. And if you know, wait a matter of fact, before I close, does anybody want to push star eight real quick? If not, you better let me know in four, 
three, two, I see we ain't even got one going bushes. So I say, when I say out, out to me, and this is just me, because everybody think I'm crazy already, out means obviously you talk. So I always put a twist in it, and I say, who's out? With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.